A very warm welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards living a better life. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational messages and transformational stories out into the world so others may benefit. Hello listeners and welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode where today I'm joined by a gentleman from the United Kingdom, England, by the name of Andrew Batt. Andrew, a very, very warm welcome to you, sir. Hi, Paul. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. And listeners, we thought, Andrew and I thought today as a as a working title, as a subject, as a topic, call it what you will, we haven't got one. We don't know what we're going to be talking about. And the reason we've decided to do that is, doesn't that reflect the energy and the connection that can take place between, and Andrew and I are not strangers, but that can take place between strangers? You know, we've shared the example of two people standing in a bus queue or at the supermarket or or whatever, and and they just get talking. and, and, And before they know where they are, they've had this kind of rich exchange of, personal or professional information, whatever that may be. And there's there's a big lesson there. So um, the challenge with that, Andrew, I suppose, is where do we start? Where do we start on this conversation of this nothing conversation, which will be everything? Any thoughts? Because I've certainly got a million ideas, but I like to sort of give the courtesy of the guest to start the ball rolling. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm a big one for helping others. So... I've always helped others. I love helping other people, whether it's with projects or problem solving. Um, So that could possibly be a topic, I guess. That's a great topic. You know, when we look at that, uh, listeners, what Andrew said there, doesn't that bring in the six human needs and the highest human need of all contribution, giving, giving to others? So on that note, Andrew, I want to start with what um, might be, to some, quite a controversial question uh, or statement. And it's, it's this. You cannot give what you do not have. Statement or question. What are any thoughts around that, Andrew? You cannot give what you do not have. So you're starting with an easy one then. Yeah, no, let's jump straight in at the deep end. <laughs> straight in at the deep end. You can't give what you don't have. Hmm. I'd say, for me, that's probably a statement. Um, so looking at it very black and white, if you don't have it, you can't give it. Hmm. Um, however, uh, a lot of people don't, really realize how much they've got to give because they're so wrapped up in their own world, their own life, their own kind of responsibilities. Um, I mean, for me personally, I'm now 44 years old. Um, I've just made a massive transition with, with work in the last 12 months. It's something I've wanted to do for 30 years. Um, obviously during the time that we're having, I've been on a lot of webinars, a lot of networking events, uh, you know, talk to a lot of people on phone, social media. I've actually had time to look back on my life so far. Um, 
and I've learned a hell of a lot. I've had some incredible experiences, partly because I've put myself in the way of those experiences, partly because I've taken opportunities when they've arisen. Um, so it's, you know, I, I came to my particular industry 12 months ago full time um, thinking, well, I've got a fair amount of experience in this. I know how to do that. I've learned how to do a load of other stuff. So I'm really good to get going. But I actually asked myself that question, what can I give to others? Because there'll be others that are further ahead of me in my my journey. Um, And it actually, I had to take some time out to reflect on what I've done and what I've achieved so far. And that's where I started to realise I could actually help a, a lot of people out because I've got a lot more experience than than I'd actually considered that I had in the past, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense, Andrew. And I like what you said at the top of your conversation there around, um, you know, this kind of what is it we're giving? Because, you know, the the essence of you cannot give what you do not have. Clearly, if you haven't got a million pounds in the bank, you can't give somebody a million pounds which is actually not strictly true because I speak from experience when I have actually borrowed money that I didn't have for the benefit of others to give to others. So technically speaking, so this whole trying to challenge this or not trying, but challenging this, uh, you cannot give what you do not have cliche. It falls down for me, Andrew, because you can give what you do not have And you framed it beautifully there by saying, well, actually, I might not have a million pounds, but you know what? I've got all the priceless gifts I can give. I can give you my time. I can give you my, my, you know, I can give you my emotion. I can give you my intellectual support. I can give you the benefit of my experience. But I think it's it's interesting when I throw, when I personally throw that sort of, uh, that line out there, how many times recipients automatically just hook into the money angle of things. So it's just an interesting one to get the ball rolling. And and just to put that cliche to bed, and this is only my own personal perspective, Andrew, that you can give what you don't have because we've got so much within us that half of the time we're not aware of what we even have ourselves, you know. And so that brings in another thread, doesn't it, of who am I? What am I really about? You know, what you're saying there, obviously, from that compassion, that goodness of your heart, you've got a great awareness around wanting to help and serve others. But it also... Yeah, and it's um, it's interesting that you say when you, when you raise that question to people that they immediately start to think about the money angle of it. Mm. And a lot of, a lot of people are predisposed, rightly or wrongly, to using money as a driver. So they'll, they'll use it because they want certain things in their life which cost money. So they'll say, right, I've got to earn this much money in order to afford that. So it's the money that's driving them, not what they'd like or not what they'd like to achieve. So they tend to get kind of caught up chasing the money, um, which in my experience doesn't work. Um, I was guilty of that when I was a lot younger. Um, I was also very fortunate to have a lot of money when I was younger. Um, I was very reckless with it and blew most of it. Um, I've been asked a number of times over my life, would I do it again? Uh, the answer is yes, because if I didn't do it again, I wouldn't know what I know now and I wouldn't have learned it that way. So 
yeah, I'd be in a, a better financial situation maybe if I'd if I'd made different choices, but I wouldn't have the experience. I wouldn't make my decisions that I make now. I wouldn't analyze risk the way I do um, if I hadn't been that reckless in the past. Um, it, you know, with what I do, a lot of it involves risk. Um, so, and it's not just risk for me, it's risk for clients from a, from a business point of view. Um, so for me personally, I've got to assess everything because I know that if you don't assess the risk, you're going into something completely cavalier and ultimately going back to the money angle that costs, mm. um, it can cost. And then that has a snowball effect that, that leads on to, you know, if people are losing money or, or, or bad decisions are being made, then that can then filter over into having an emotional, um, cost as well. So it's, it, it, it's all about perception, you know, like you said, with, when you ask that question, people think about money, M money isn't a driver to me. I don't even measure success by money. As far as I'm concerned, the whole money conversation, and, and like you say, this is my personal opinion, but money can be a byproduct of success. It's certainly not a driver and it's certainly not a gauge because someone, you know, I'll give you an example, you know, Carluccio's is a national chain of, of restaurants everywhere, you know, in, in um, airports, high streets, re doing really, really well on the face of it. You know, it's, a, it's an empire of restaurants and it took five minutes to fall over because they were leveraged to the hilt. Mm. You know, someone driving a nice car that's worth hundreds of thousands of pounds, they might own that outright, but they might have it on finance. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's how you perceive things um, and what drives in individual people, I guess. But yeah, for, for me personally, money is not a driver. I need it to survive. Put food on the table, put a roof over my head, and anything after that is a bonus. But like I said, that comes from my experience from having a lot when I was younger. The uh, that brings in just listening to you speak there, Andrew brings in um, somebody that I certainly followed uh, in a you know from a few years ago to a lesser extent now. Um, but the American quality management guru Tom Peters, when he when he coined the phrase, um, the slogan, perception is all there is. In other words, you know. We can look at a simple pen and ask 100 people in a room, is this a quality pen? And you can guarantee there's going to be many, many different answers on what is just simply a pen. But it's that human perception of how we see things, isn't it? That judgment that we make as humans that, and there is no right, there is no wrong. Um, the big question for me on that is, does that particular perception, belief, call it what you will, does that serve us? Does that serve us? I was talking to somebody, a family member this, this morning, just this morning, Andrew, around this whole thing. And the big question is at all times, is what we believe, but our beliefs, our thoughts, our words, our feelings, are they serving us? And if they're not, then let's change the script. Yeah, absolutely. You need to, if, if you're trying to achieve something and nothing, you're, you're going through a, a process and taking steps to do something, if you're not achieving that, 
and you're consistently not achieving it and you're consistently doing exactly the same things, then at some point something's got to change. So either, <clears throat> excuse me, either you need to move what you're trying to achieve, so therefore you've implemented the change, or you need to change one or more steps in the process in order to affect change. So essentially, you then start to test. So you test one, one route out, one, one pathway. No, it doesn't work. So change the pathway slightly. Check that out. No, that doesn't work. So change again. Ah, oh, that pathway works. And it's the same with everything that you do, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So what's unfolding here, listeners, with this dance between uh, Andrew and I, this kind of metaphoric dance is I'm, I'm actually getting to know, and I love that, I mean, the, the beauty of podcasts like this is, and I hope you share this, listeners, is this this rich kind of inquiry, this dance, this curiosity, this this getting to know you. And I feel like I'm getting to know Andrew. So, and, uh, you know, that's that's a nice place to be, I think, and a privilege to to be a pod, podcast host. So as part of that process, Andrew, so, you know, we've talked about contribution. We've laid that sort of as a foundation for this progression. But where's that going? What's the vision? What's your vision for life? So for me, it's quite, I, I've got a, a property background. So that's, that's the industry that I've jumped into. Um, I... I've been a property investor since 1999 with my family. Um, we've made some good and some bad decisions. Um, I then decided to go full-time into property because it's something I've wanted to do since I was a teenager. One of the things that I've always wanted to do is provide good quality property, so good new property, because there's a, a lot of properties that, from my point of view, don't, they're not up to scratch. Um, the way we build properties in this country um, has been the same for years and years and years, and it's cheap and fast, or at least that's what we're told. Um, but cheap isn't always best, as as you know, Paul. Um, so I think with the way the world's changing as well, um, with the climate, how we treat the world, I really want to get into the eco development space um, because I think it's the way forward. It's the morally, it's the way forward. The social responsibly, you know, we've got a social responsibility towards, you know, whoever else is left after we're long gone to try and protect the planet, basically. Um, I've also got a bit of a bonus with that because my brother, my younger brother, is a renewable energies expert. Um, so it ties in quite nicely for our kind of longer term vision. So that's ultimately what I'd like to do whilst legacy building our own property portfolio for, to, to look after the generations coming along after us. Um, that's in a nutshell for my family, but like I said to you, I want to help as many people as possible outside of that. Um, it's not just a, a one mission and a, and a tiny little bubble for us. Um, but I've, with what's gone on recently, my other half, my fiance, um, she is now joining me as well from the 4th of January, um, 2021. So there's two of us. So we're, we're implementing things slowly, but surely. Mm. So 
Picture this scenario then on a fateful day, hopefully decades and decades and decades into the future, Andrew. But as you take that final that final breath and you leave this physical shell called a body, stroke human life, and you look back on those, you know, on those on that lifetime, what did it all stand for? What was it, you know, to quote a well-known song listeners, what was it all about, Alfie? Leaving a mark and a good one. Leaving a good mark. No, when I say legacy building, it's not just for me, it's for, for others as well. So for me personally, I would like to do as much good as I can in the world. However, so, however that pans out, mm-hmm. because I, I also embrace a little bit of chaos in my life. Mm-hmm. I've got plans, but with any plans that you make in life, there are other forces in play that you can't control. So that's life itself, Mother Nature, the universe, whatever you want to call call it, um, a higher being if if you believe in that kind of stuff. So that's down to the individual. But for me personally, I I want to help others where I can, but you constantly have to be aware that that you can get hurdles put in front of you. There are things that are out of your control. Um, so you have to be able to, to do a little bit of a dance at the same time. Mm, absolutely. I suppose the modern day terminology for it, Andrew, at the risk of oversimplifying, is we need to be flexible, don't we? Because, you know, expect the unexpected, so to speak. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I've had that my entire life. Having run my own businesses since I was 18 years old, um you you can plan to the nth degree and you can plan for every single eventuality and you can implement that plan and somewhere along the line another force will come into play doesn't matter how smart you are how many how big your team is around you you know you speak to anyone in in anything whether it's life or business you can have a plan and that you're guaranteed there's going to be a spanner thrown in the works at some point, and usually when you least expect it. Um, so as long as you've got the capabilities to work through a problem, over it, under it, around it, if you can solve problems, then you'll always be able to achieve what you set out to do. Mm. What about values, Andrew? You know, having a vision's one thing, but it's how we we kind of unfold that vision, isn't it? So what are, what are the values, the stepping stones that uh, you personally subscribe to and commit to to enable that progression to be made, that vision to be to working towards that vision? Um, well, I don't really make myself a stranger from how I feel. Um, my life is heavily involved around family and family values. Um, I got brought up. Uh, it, and had an amazing childhood with my brother. Um, you know, I've got um, just phenomenal parents. My grandparents were great as well whilst they were still alive. Um, so I, I kind of, I've always learned from being on the outside and looking in. So my mother actually told my fiance a couple of months ago, <clears throat> excuse me, that she used to take my younger brother and I to the playground. And there's three years between us. So we'd get to the playground and my brother would be, he'd be out of the pram, 
straight into the playground and he'd be running around like a lunatic everywhere and playing with the other kids straight away. And I would just get out of the pram and I'd stand there and I'd look at the whole whole playground and I'd look at all the people and I'd look at all the all the you know the frames, the swings, the slides. And my mum used to watch me and she she could almost see the cogs turning in my head because I was assessing everything. Mm. Um, and not only was I assessing everything from my point of view, I was also assessing everything from a big brother protection point of view because I've always protected my younger brother because it's just ingrained into my DNA. And I've actually spoken to a lot of other siblings where they're the oldest or the youngest and how they feel to try and get the different perspectives. Um, Because they're still to this day. I mean, my brother's 41 years old. He works for the government. He's got two children and a wife and a house and a mortgage. Yet I still will always protect him because it's just ingrained. So... um, yeah, family values are, are are really at the core. Honesty, trustworthiness, kind of um, transparency is another big one for me. Because I just I, I I'm not interested in playing games um, because life is very very short. No matter how many years you you manage to stay on this planet, it is short and it goes. You blink. You know, I've blinked and I'm 44. I'm halfway through as far as I'm concerned. Um, so it's, I I don't like wasting people's time and I don't want my time wasted either. So by being open, honest and transparent, as far as I'm concerned, you just, you know, you'll meet people that you don't work with, that you don't gel with, just move on. There are millions and millions of people that you will meet in your lifetime or can meet. So why waste it struggling with someone? Mm, Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah as we play the game of life. Um, mentioned at the top of this conversation as well, Andrew, around the contribution being the highest of the six human needs. The others uh, working from the bottom is certainty, uncertainty, significance. They're the first three. The fourth one of the basic four uh, human needs is love and connection. The fifth one is growth. And as I say, the highest is contribution. Of those six, Andrew... So I'll just quickly fly through them again. Certainty, uncertainty or variety, significance, love and connection, growth and contribution. Of those six, in terms of getting to know you, Andrew, what would you say is your highest human need out of those six? I would probably say contribution, mm. although although they're all pretty high. <laughs> um, I would say contribution, yeah. Because yeah. and, and that's where my my will is to help others. Because I, I, I even it, in the past I've helped others to my detriment. Mm. I I know I've done it. I knew I was doing it at the time, but as far as I was concerned, their needs greater than mine. Yeah, yeah. And and do you know what's interesting about that, Andrew? That takes us right back. And I keep saying this phrase. I'm very aware of my using the same language and the same words and the same phrase of takes us back to the top of the conversation. Be interesting to see how many times I've said that. That's appeared for a reason. But taking us back to the top of this conversation when we were speaking about that, you know, this whole kind of you cannot give what you do not have. 
but we do, don't we? You know, we kind of boxed that off earlier on in the conversation, but it's interesting how it's brought itself back round again just by what you've said there, because we do. You know, I gave the example of borrowing money to, and that wasn't a one-off. I've done that throughout my life, not so much now. Um, you know, giving stuff away to charity that I didn't have, you know, raising thousands and, and borrowing thousands for a cause. I didn't have it. My own world was actually broken. It was a mess. I was a wreck. But interesting how you get that pull, that, I don't know what it is, that indefinable that says, this is the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's I've done that a few times in my life as well. I At 13, I woke up one morning and decided that I, I must have seen something on the news or read an article, but for some reason I wanted to raise some money for Great Ormond Street because I, like I said earlier, I was very fortunate with my upbringing. Um, we lived in a you know beautiful home. We went on holidays. We got sent to a really nice school and I woke up one morning thinking there's a bunch of kids in the hospital bed and they're just trying to fight to stay alive whilst we're all you know whilst myself my brother we're, we're living the life of Riley um so along with another friend at 13 we cycled the whole of the South Downs Way to raise money for Great Ormond Street and this is well 31 years ago now so and I've done a few other bits for charity over the years um but I also because of my family bond and a lot of my close friends I consider as family I've helped out in other ways so at one point um a few years back a friend of mine wanted to build a straw bale house and he'd the, the DIY he'd done was putting up picture frames that is it he had no prior skill and I thought do you know what <laughs> I'll help out because I've got a lot of skills. I've got a lot of, I've got a building background. Um, I've got design background as well. Um, so I helped him out because I was in a position then running my last business that I only needed to work three days a week. So I used to work two or three days a week with him um, for free, for nothing. And I didn't, at the, at the time, I, I just wanted the experience because I didn't know whether I'd ever be able to build my own property. So I thought, well, this is the next best thing. If I can't achieve that, at least I've achieved helping someone else to do it. So, and actually what, at the time it felt like I was giving a lot more than I should be, but looking back on it now, I learned so much on that one build alone. And because he's so interested in eco, the eco side of building, you know, I learned more about more of that than a lot of people that have been working in the industry for 30 years. Mm. So, again, to me, that's priceless. Absolutely. So by way of bringing things to a close, Andrew, I want to ask you one final question. I always sign off with this with guests, uh, but I'll park that temporarily. I just want to invite you in and ask you uh, how people can get in touch with you. You know, what's your contact details? How can people best reach out to you? So uh, I'm pretty active on social media, on Facebook. Um, you can just find me at Andrew Bat. Um, you can also get me on um, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Um, we've got two business pages. One is Silver Property Solutions and... The other one is Silver Angel, which is a joint venture business. Um, 
and our website is silverpropertysolutions.co.uk. So, you know, if someone's got a spare five minutes, they can jump on the website. There's quite a lot about our background um, and what we're doing within property. Um, so, yeah, either reach out through social media. Um, like I said, I'm pretty easy to find. Um, or visit us on the website. Super. Those And those details, as ever, listeners, will be in the show notes for this particular episode. So the final question then, Andrew, the final question. And I always set this scenario. We've just met in a hotel reception and we've decided to go up to the first floor. So we're in this elevator together for, I don't know, it's a big, it's a big posh hotel. So, uh, and the lift is slow. So one minute, absolute one minute elevator pitch. What would be your message to leave to the world? You talk about legacy. We talk about vision. We talk about values and all this kind of stuff and this brilliant, beautiful stuff that you've shared contribution, Andrew. But in the space of one minute while we're in the elevator, what would be your one message to the world? To contribute as much as you can, to help others as often as you can, um, to be kind to others, to not do all of that to the detriment of your own uh, life and your family's life. So you need to look after yourselves as well as others and put yourself into a position where you're set, you're safe, your family's all okay and accounted for. Because once you're at that position, then the sky's the limit, the world's your oyster, and you've got all the time that you need to help others. So that would be my message is just help others wherever you can. It's what I've been doing all my life. It's what I continue to do. I never plan on stopping doing that. So that would be my message. Thank you, Andrew. Immense gratitude for showing up and, and playing full out and sharing you know, your insights and um, everything that we've spoke about. So there we have it, listeners, for a, a title. Well, actually, there wasn't a title. So we, I think hopefully, I mean, you decide. You, you're the people that really matter in this, the listeners. You decide what that conversation between Andrew and I has been worth. You know, I'm sure there's some snippets in there. As ever with guests, I always personally take something out of it. I learn something new. Hope you have two listeners. And all that remains now is for me to sign off the way I always do by saying, remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our arts. Thanks very much for listening to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at paul-low.com with any thoughts or questions you may have and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the game's ever-changing. How will you master it?